What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Americana Uncovered. Today we are on episode 13, and we are going to be going over the life of one of the most influential um, figures when it comes to children's education um, in TV, in person. Um, he just really shaped the landscape of educational learning for children, and that would be none other than Fred Rogers. So when I start, uh, set out to do this podcast, I, I wanted to talk about places and people that uh, changed America um, for better or for worse. And this person, um, that's how I usually gauge my topics, is how did this shape America? How did this change America? And um, Fred Rogers, I want to say, is probably one of the most influential uh, people not only for children, but from the 60s up until present day, maybe not as present now, but up until the early 2000s, one of the most influential people um, in the fact that he helped shape and mold little children into teens, adults, and even, you know, you know, older people now in their 50s, um, uh, on how their morals are, how their feelings, how to express their feelings, and and just stuff like that. So I really wanted to uh, go over. Also, he's just really a fascinating guy, and um, I felt like this was a cool topic to hit on, a little different than what we've been going on before. Uh, the only other person we really profiled besides uh, was really David Crosby with his passing in January. But we touched on um, Steinbeck a little bit, but that was more Travels with Charlie, not him personally. So this is really a first deep dive into an individual, and I've been saving this episode. Uh, This was in like my top three uh, brainstorming ideas when I first started to have um, the idea to do this podcast. So I'm really excited, if you couldn't tell, to uh, bring you the life of Fred Rogers. So Fred McFeely Rogers was born on March 20th, 1928 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Um, He had a bit of a different childhood. He wasn't, um, you know, wasn't out there playing baseball and hanging out with his friends um, as a lot of kids were. As a kid, he was mostly sick with all these different elements, uh, ailments, I mean, uh, allergies, whatever it was. he was really cooped up in his room. His um, parents were wealthy. He had a pretty big house that he lived in. Uh, up on the top floor it was his room, and he spent most of his time in there. Um, he had a window unit with air conditioning, and like I said, it was really um, him by himself. And this is where he decided to make up a lot of his characters and, and find ways to um, keep himself occupied, uh, being that he couldn't live you know, the most normal child, uh, childhood, um, possible. Um, so he really couldn't express himself either as a child. Um, it really wasn't how he was brought up. Um, so when he was either upset or angry, he expressed his motion emotions through the piano. So he would be playing, you know, slamming on the keys, maybe if he was angry or playing something peaceful, if he was, you know, in the right frame of mind. Um, 
like I said, he was locked away in his room with illnesses, and uh, he would. This is when he really started to come up with these fascinating characters and ideas. And this was the whole premise of uh, in Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, the uh, land of make believe. So just picture that this is what he was thinking of when he was a little boy, and now he brought it to life, and so many little children and um, kids for you know, a better part of 40 years got to to live his kind of fantasy life, fantasy vision when he was a little kid. Um, So he graduated in 1951 from Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, uh, with a degree in musical composition. And after he graduated, he was all set to start seminary school until he came home at the end of his senior year. Uh, that is when he decided to give TV a try. Both of his parents were very skeptical at the time because TV was just coming out and no one really, they weren't sure how you get into TV, if there was a career in TV, but he decided to give it a shot and uh, he first worked for NBC in New York City and then he worked for public television station uh, WQED in Pittsburgh. So at this time, most of these kids' shows were um, people getting hit in the head with bats, clowns getting pies thrown at them, or chasing each other around and, and harming each other. So there was really nothing on TV at that time to um, educate children or have uh, them have an outlet to express themselves and, and you know, really kind of know how to act I mean what they saw on TV is kind of what they were emulating and um, you know seeing it's funny uh, you know for a little bit seeing all these clowns and all this other stuff but he really thought that he could hone in and and really use TV to his advantage and teach children very valuable lessons on what was going on in the world Um, So in this, he wanted to make a child's educational program. So in 1954, he uh, became uh, what was a seven-year run of writing, producing, and serving as a puppeteer uh, for the Children's Corner. 30 segments of the show were broadcasted on NBC in 1955 and 56. Um, In 1962, he earned a divinity degree from the Pittsburgh uh, Theological Seminary and was ordained by the United Presbyterian Church in the USA, which asked him to continue his work on television. It wasn't until 1963 until uh, when Rogers made his on-camera debut on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's Mr. Rogers, and in 1966 he returned to WQED where the show became Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. By 1968, it was being distributed nationally by the National Education Television, NET. Um, After the public broadcasting service, PBS, succeeded NET in 1970, the program was renamed Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, Mr. Rogers began each episode by changing into his trademark cardigan sweaters while singing the theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor. So during the show of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Fred Rogers would make the same entrance time um, each time to the same theme song, change it to different color sweaters and change his shoes, and then the program would start. Uh, The land of make-believe was made of a different world that you would enter by way of a trolley. And like I said, this was really um, 
the product of Fred's imagination when he was home as a little kid cooped up in his room, um, finding a way to entertain himself. Uh, Fred never appeared in the land of uh, imagination because he wanted everyone to believe that this was all just imagination. Uh, there would be humans in the land of make-believe, but uh, but never Fred. He was usually busy uh, busy voicing the puppets anyway. Uh, Daniel the Tiger um, really expressed the fears and anxieties Fred had a chi- as a child, and a lot of people around him say that Daniel was really Fred without the pressure of being Mr. Rogers. Um in the documentary I watched, it, uh, Fred Rogers was saying, if I say I'm scared as a you know 50 or 60 year old man, it's totally different and maybe not as accepting as if a, a you know a handheld puppet in a different voice says that he's scared. Uh, other puppets in um, included King Friday the 13th, who people say that in his later years turned into Fred uh, more. Uh, assertive and kind of very um, detail-oriented, uh, totally different from uh, from Daniel Tiger. Um, there was also uh, Henrietta Pussycat, Lady Elaine Fairchild, X the Owl, Queen Sarah Saturday, and many more. Uh, there were also staples on the show like Mr. McFeely, the mailman, uh, Officer Clemens, the police officer who was um, gay. And it was kind of a gray area for Mr. Rogers. He was uh, totally okay with it. He wasn't had anything against it. But he said, for the sake of the show, you can't come out um, or express that you are openly gay um i accept you for who you are and and all that but um you know the people the higher ups don't have the same open mind as me and i promise you know eventually down the road it's going to be okay and all that but uh for the sake of the show would you not you know admit that you're gay or say that you're gay and um officer clemens was okay with that and um you know the show went on and he really thanked fred for accepting him who he for who he was um like also uh, lady aberdeen and there was mr brockett who owned the bakery those were the main stays really uh reoccurring same characters in the show there were same um similar other ones that came on here and there but those were the people that were constantly shown in the in the uh in the program so each episode would have its own theme to teach children real-world problems, but on their level so that they could understand. Um, they had a Mr. Rogers Day in Boston, and uh, the line wrapped around the building. So although it was already on TV for a while, he wasn't sure how many people he was really reaching. And then once they finally got to meet him in person, he realized that it was everything he was doing was, was worth it. Um, uh, once PBS finally got off the ground, um, Nixon wanted to pull the funds and believe that, um, all the funding should go to the, uh, war and all that stuff. So Mr. Rogers had to get in front of Congress and make his case on why they deserve the fund, the funding. And in the documentary that just came out in 2018, um, I think it's called Won't You Be My Neighbor. They show the whole trial and um, 
He won the trial. He earned them $20 million to keep them on the air and the funding for his show alive. So it was pretty cool to see that speech. Um, And after that, the show just exploded. Um, Started to really take off even more than it was before. And the press was beating down the door, wanted to know, you know, what he was doing and really gain some more attention. Um, Besides the show, uh, you know, in its popularity, people mock his um, his sets. I mean, they had one on Johnny Carson, I think. Uh, There was one with Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. And it kind of bothered Mr. Rogers, kind of bringing back to his childhood. Um, It it, you know he he didn't mind if it was uh, a joke, you know just lightly make fun but if he they were making fun of his uh overall mission that's when he decided to uh that you know he really didn't like what was going on um he also decided to integrate a prominent black figure in the show because he knew that children from all different races and upbringings and backgrounds were watching um officer clemens that i mentioned before he's the one who um was gay he There was a scene that's a very famous scene of Mr. Rogers um, in the in the backyard or side yard, whatever it is, um, on a summer day, washing his feet in a a kiddie pool. Um, And Officer Clemens came by and he asked him to come join him and cool down. And Officer Clemens at first said, no, I'm, I'm all right. And Mr. Rogers insisted and they washed their feet in the same pool. So right now, I mean, that might not seem like it's anything, but this was to touch on the problem that was going on with the country with integration. You had, um, uh, people, you know, pools in New York at the time that didn't allow black people to swim in the same pool. Still, if there was, uh, there was some of the pool owners would come out and pour chemicals in the pool to get them out of there. And he just really wanted to take a head on approach with this whole, um, you know, kind of current event things you would see on the news, but bring them to children and, and, and put them down to a children's level. And for someone watching that, uh, five-year-old, they, they would see no problem with, uh, Mr. Rogers and Officer Clemens in the pool together. So uh, if their parents ever said anything about, you know, that it's not good or whatever it is, teaching them, you know, not good things, uh, they could say, well, I saw that on Mr. Rogers. What's wrong with that? Um, 143 was also a prominent number in um, Mr. Rogers' life. He woke up every morning and uh, for over 20 years, and he swam one mile at the YMCA. And every time he was done, he weighed himself, and he weighed 143 pounds for majority of his life. And 143 also stands for uh, I love you, as in one is I, uh, love has four letters, and three is you, that has three letters. So um, that was just a weird thing and to stay the same weight every single day for that long in your life is just crazy um just adds to the uh aura of uh fred rogers um so around the 80s he decided that he he was done with mr rogers neighborhood he touched on all the points he could he made all his points to the children and they would set up reruns and and you know 
kids would still be able to watch them back and and he believed that he had did everything that he could to help out children so he decided to make a program called old friends new friends um and this is where he would interview adults it was uh he kind of talked to them like the same demeanor as he did back in the neighborhood but um it didn't really take off um I meant to go watch, um, I will be watching some of these, I haven't watched some, uh, any of them yet, but uh, he touched on artists, I think, musicians, um, different things like that, but it just didn't really catch on as, as much as um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, and then one day, um, he heard the news that a boy jumped off uh, his roof with a, to- a towel wrapped around his neck and thinking he was Superman, and this was pretty much the instance where Fred knew that his work was not finished and that he needed to return to making uh, making episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, this was in the 80s, and, the, and when he came back, he took the show to a whole new level. Uh, he started doing theme weeks on death, divorce, children getting lost, just very sensitive subjects that were not really touched on by children's television. Um, and he ho- made a whole, like I said, he made a whole week out of it. Uh, the one on death uh, starts out with the fish tank and, you know, there's a dead fish on the bottom of the tank and he explains what happened, what, you know, the whole cycle of everything. And it's really um, touchy subjects to talk to little little kids about. But um, that's what made this show and Mr. Rogers so special. Uh, also, with the heightened... Uh, popularity around Mr. Rogers in the 80s there was rumors that he was gay maybe he was a Navy SEAL killer uh, wondered if he was really the way he was on the show all the time people just really wanted to find dirt on him and, and see what they could crack um, see if they could crack him and and find out the real Mr. Rogers but the way he was is on TV is the way he was all the time um, he wasn't uh, in the Navy, he was, you know, whatever it was, he was, uh, even when this, these documentaries and the movie with Tom Hanks came out, I think it was like 2018, 2019, I remember they're like being surfaced of, oh, it's so weird, Mr. Rogers, there, there's gotta be something on him, but no one could find, um, anything on him, a lot of things that they were talking about, were was that he ruined a generation by telling them they were special without doing anything but the truth was that he really wasn't um preaching entitlement he was preaching more inherent value saying you know you're important no matter what it's not saying you don't have to do anything and you will be important it's more or less saying you know no matter what you do you are important but you can't just sit on the couch that's not what he was um, referring to, uh, and maybe some people took that literally, and that's, that's pretty much the extent of the, uh, controversy and dirt they could find up on him, is that he ruined a generation by making them entitled, but, uh, if that's what you want to take out of the show, then you should probably shouldn't be watching the show. Another cool aspect of the show was, um, the music, uh, music musical directors for the series included Johnny Costa uh, from 1968 to 1996, uh, Michael Morks, uh, who took over as director after Costa's death 
served until the series ended in 2001. In addition to arranging and directing the music heard on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Costa, along with other musicians, performed almost all the background music heard on the series, including the show's recognizable main theme, the trolley whistle, and Mr. McFeely's uh, frenetic speedy delivery piano plonks, the uh, vibraphone flute toots played on a synthesizer as Fred fed his fish. Uh, dreamy celestial lines, intestinal music, and Roger's entrance and exit tunes. Each day an episode was recorded. Costa and his ensemble played live in the studio for filming. Uh, musicians who played in this ensemble were Johnny Costa, who played piano, uh, piano, uh, Celesta synthesizer and trolley whistle. Joe Negri played guitar, Carl McVicker Jr. played bass guitar and double bass, uh, Robbie Rothorn uh, played drums and percussion. Uh, even after Costa's death in 1996, much of the music heard on the program continued to be Costa's, and his name continued to be listen, listed in the show's closing credits as one of its musical directors. So there's a just a... He was jazz artist there was a an album that johnny casas plays mr rogers neighborhood and it's all instrumental i would suggest listening to that i believe it's on spotify and cd i don't think it's on vinyl it's mostly on cd or streaming but it's just a good album to listen to if you're ever in a bad mood or anything like that so besides producing, writing the scripts, and serving as a host, he wrote about 200 songs, including the theme song, this is Mr. Rogers, for the program, some 1,000 episodes of which were broadcasted between 1968 and 2001. The last original episode was taped uh, on December 2000 and broadcasted the following August. Following September 11th attacks in 2001, however, Rogers once again appeared on camera to record a public service announcement aimed at informing parents on how they could help with their children cope with the events. Rogers was honored with numerous awards, including a Daytime Emmy Award, a Lifetime Achievement Award in 97 from the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Science, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2002. In addition to his Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., added one of his red card, uh, cardigans to its collections of Americana. Uh, Rogers was the subject of a documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, in 2018, and the feature film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, 2019, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, in 2012, the animated series Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood debuted on T PBS, uh, produced by the Fred Rogers Company. The show drew upon the characters and locations from Rogers' Neighborhood of Make-Believe to introduce a new generation of viewers to Rogers' social and emotional curriculum. So uh, that show is still running, too, as uh, I saw. So it, they're kind of carrying on the legacy of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in the land of make-believe aspect. Um, I, don't, I believe, I don't know if you could still find reruns. I, I think they saw, they, I, saw, I saw they brought them back um, partially in Saturday and Sunday mornings on PBS, but they don't play as much as they used to. So, like I was saying, Mr. Rogers definitely just a huge... Um, important piece on 
child, not just child's education, but education in general, and the emergence of uh, a educational program for children from the start. Like I said, there was nothing around um, at this time that was like this at all. You just had people hitting on e- hitting each other in the head with clubs and throwing pies at each other. So he really changed um, the whole landscape of this. And I would say for the most part, half the children's TV shows, even if they're not based on education, they have different educational aspects in them now. And you could thank all that to Fred Rogers. Um, it would be nice, funny, nice, not funny, but to see the um, topics he would be covering today. Not to say that there wasn't anything crazy going on in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, but it seems like today in the 2020s that there's just um, an abundance of bad news going on and and whole different topics that uh, Mr. Rogers could hit on. I can only imagine the uh, Mr. Rogers COVID theme week and how that would <laughs> go down. But we still have all these, uh, you know, basically 40 years of reruns to go back and watch. And we could bring these um, shows to a newer generation. Or like I said, they have the Daniel T- Tiger's Neighborhood that you can introduce and, and relive through them the life of Fred Rogers and spread his messages. So that's really going to do it for episode 13. I appreciate you guys listening. appreciate you guys joining. If you have anything you want to discuss, you can follow me at Americana underscore uncovered um, and DM me or comment any, any uh, questions you had. You can also email me at Americana uncovered at gmail.com. We're, we will be off next week. Uh, next Friday is off, and then we I will be announcing um, the lineup for June, along with June's uh, first episode topic. I believe it's June's second episode, 14, comes out. So be on the look for that after this episode airs. Um, like I said, if you have any, any suggestions on what you want to hear, what you want to uh, discuss... Message me, email me, all that stuff. And uh, other than that, enjoy your week, and I'll see you guys soon.